Do the Baltimore Ravens have the best roster in the AFC? We talk about that and a lot more coming up next year on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire, and you know where we are. We're here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here with us, making us your first listen every day on this show. We're free and available all podcasts and platforms, including over in video form on YouTube. So you can subscribe for free, both in video form or in audio form, however you prefer to consume your podcast. We're here five days a week, Monday through Friday, giving you the best daily Ravens content. So news analysis updates and a lot more in five days a week, even on this 4th of July week. So a very happy 4th of July week to everybody out there. If you have a friend or family member who likes the Ravens or even likes an opposing team, be sure to tell them to check out this show over here. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash Locked On NFL to post your job for free. Term and conditions apply. And we have a lot to talk about, even though, again, we're kind of just gearing up for training camp right now. We now get into the kind of different topics of the offseason where we pull stuff from the free agent pool, the roster pool, the trade pool, the coaching pool. So today I, want, I wanted to talk a bit about the Ravens roster right now, and obviously it's still subject to change. It's not going to be the final product until we actually get to the regular season, and even then the Ravens are probably going to make some changes because of injuries. I want to talk about, though, if the Ravens have the best roster in the AFC. We'll talk about that if they do, if they don't, in the first part of the show. Then we'll take a look at the a bit of a, the wacky state of the defensive line rooms, I like to call it. It's one of those rooms that I think is really set up well for the future, but in a, in a weird way. So we'll talk about that in the second segment. Then in the final part of the show, we'll talk about a potential midseason trade or midseason trades the Ravens could make and if it will be worth it for them to do so and look at different circumstances. So let's first get into the Ravens and if they have the best roster in the AFC. And I need to give a quick shout out here first. Mike Debate of Locked On Patriots. I, I host the Monday edition of Locked On NFL here on our network and you know, Mike and I, I had Mike on the show to talk about DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook and the potential of the extension the Patriots had. And we, we were just chopping it up. And I said, you know, Mike, the AFC is stacked this year. You know, so many good teams. And he talked about, you know, he believes that the Ravens have one of the best, if not the best rosters in the AFC right now. And, I, and it kind of got me thinking. I'm like, you know what, Mike, you gave, you gave me my show topic. So shout out to you, Mike. But it's such an interesting conversation, right? Because we know how stacked the AFC conference is with teams like Baltimore and Cincinnati and Pittsburgh and Cleveland and Buffalo and, and Miami and New England and New, the Jets and Jacksonville and even the AFC West with Denver and Kansas City and the Chargers and the Raiders. There are a lot of teams out there that are going to be really good this year. And so the Ravens had to make moves this offseason. And, and they did, right? They kind of a slow start. I'm not going to say it wasn't, but they added Odell Beckham. They bring in Rocky Asin, Nelson Aguilar. They, they draft say flowers and obviously the, the addition of Todd Munkin too. But when you look at this Ravens roster on paper, and I, this is an on paper thing right now. It's one thing to look at it on paper and it's another thing to go and look at it based off how they perform on the field. But what I will say, is it on paper? I, I love Baltimore's offense on paper. I really do. Obviously starting with quarterback with Lamar Jackson, 
and what he brings to the table is one of the best signal callers in this league, running back wise, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, maybe a guy like a Keaton Mitchell, wide receiver, Odell, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, Devin DuVernay, Nelson Aguilar, and, and whoever that sixth guy is, but they have a lot of options. Tight end, Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, Charlie Kohler on the offensive line, Ronnie Stanley, Kevin Zeitler, Tyler Linderbaum, Morgan Moses, that they have some solid options at the left guard position. The, the one hole on the roster on, on offense is left guard to me. I think that the Ravens have depth everywhere else. They have solid options everywhere else. And it, it's credit to Eric DeCosta and the Ravens for building out the offensive unit. And, you know, you can, you can look at teams across the board. Like, for example, I, I like what Cincinnati's done on offense. I mean, they have Joe Burrow. Obviously, Joe Mixon is there as their running back. The three the trio of wide receivers with Chase, Boyd, and Higgins. They did lose Hayden Hurst at the tight end position. But I think that offensive line-wise, they've added a lot of pieces, including Orlando Brown Jr., so that they have stuff there. Kansas City, you know, you can't count out Kansas City, too, in terms of, like, what other competition the Ravens have in terms of rosters. Kansas City on the offensive side of the ball. Now, the wide receiver position has been a really weird one for them. Maybe they do spring DeAndre Hopkins, and I don't really know. But, you know, they have Isaiah Pacheco at the running back position. Obviously, Bastion Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. But they're, they're, I don't think they're as deep as the Ravens in every single area. But I still think the roster is really good. Maybe a team like a Buffalo. Do you look there? Well, the running back position is kind of iffy there in Buffalo. Wide receivers outside of Stephon Diggs. Who do you have there? The, the tight end position, they draft Dalton Kincaid, the, Dawson Knox. I mean, they have options. You know, I, I don't know. I feel like Baltimore's offense on paper – is so, so good. And then defensively, if you look at Baltimore's roster on the defensive line, they did lose Clay's Campbell, but you have Justin Matabike and Michael Pierce and Brunswick Washington. We'll talk about that room in the second segment. Outside linebacker wise, that's a, it's a little iffy there. I, I will not, not be one to say it's not. They, they need some more options. But if David Ajabo hits, if Adafi Owe hits, if Tyus Bowser continues to be his veteran presence and really solid contributor, they have a decent shot there. Inside linebacker, one of the best inside linebacker rooms in the league for me. Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison, that they have good, solid players there. Trent Simpson also. Corners, another iffy one. Marlon Humphrey's Marlon Humphrey. Rakassian, you know, solid 2-3 guy. But who, who are the guys going to step up opposite of those two guys if one goes down? Safety, Marcus Williams, Kyle Hamilton, Geno Stone. And then obviously, spe- hey, special teams counts. Special teams absolutely counts. Don't you dare say it does not. Justin Tucker is one of the best in the business. Jordan Stout had an okay rookie season. Definitely a fall off from what we were used to in Sam Cook here in Baltimore. And then Nick Cox, who's one of the best offensive linemen, who's one of the best long snappers in the NFL. So, you know, looking at defense, you know, what teams have good defenses? Well, the Bills, they end up losing Tremaine Edmonds. He goes to Chicago. Kansas City's defense has been, you know, they have studs there. I mean, Chris Jones, one of the best defensive linemen in the league. Nick Bolton, who I'm really, really high on. Willie Gay also is that tandem there. They got a lot of good rookies too, or second-year guys. Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis, guys who contributed a ton to that run. Cincinnati's defense, I will say that they lost Jesse Bates. That's a big loss for them, and that can't be understated for them. I think that you have to really look at that. But should it be Wouzier coming back? I think Eli Apple not being there is addition by subtraction, in my opinion. It's Cleveland's roster is really weird to me. I'm not going to put it on par with Baltimore's, but I do like what they've done. 
from a whole perspective there. I mean, the defense, they add Juan Thornhill, Dalvin Tomlinson. They add Elijah Moore as well. I think Cleveland's roster is sneaky good. I really do. The Jets roster, that's the Jets defense is really good. They did lose Chuck Clark. They bring in Adrian Amos. Obviously, Sauce Gardner is really good for them. There are so many different options throughout this league. Jacksonville. Jacksonville is one of those teams that's kind of an under-the-radar sleeper team. Denver's roster, Russell Wilson was not good last year, but they're getting back Javante Williams at some point. The wide receivers are hopefully Cortland Sutton can bounce back. But again, I'm not putting that on par with Baltimore. The Chargers are interesting. The Chargers are really interesting because it's Herbert. You have Austin Eckler, obviously, Keenan Allen, Quentin Johnston, Mike Williams. Uh, Defensively, Derwin James is there, obviously, Khalil Mack. But again, I just I think Baltimore's roster is so deep this year. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. I'm not saying it is. And there's real reason to worry at some of these positions on their roster. But Baltimore is absolutely up there in terms of one of the best rosters in the AFC right now. Obviously, it has to all translate to paper or from paper to the field. You can't just have it all be on paper. But to me, I'm I'm absolutely putting Baltimore up there. 100% is one of the best, if not the best. Right now, I'd say it's honestly pretty close to Baltimore and Cincinnati, in my opinion, as to which I feel like is the best. In terms of depth, I, I like Baltimore's depth a lot. So I know a lot of people can draw different conclusions. You can point to other AFC teams as well. We didn't even talk about teams like the Dolphins, who I think have upgraded in a lot of different areas. But to me, Baltimore's roster, one of the best in the AFC, 100%. Coming up in the second part of the show, though, we'll be diving into the defensive line room, looking at the state of it right now and why it's interesting to look at both in the present and the futures will be sure to stay tuned a lot to get to Unlocked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And LinkedIn has helped me personally in a lot of different ways over the course of my life. And it's really easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. You just add your Purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. They have simple tools you can use, like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who'd like to interview and who'd like to hire. And it's really important to start the year strong and end it strong, and the right team member can help you do that a thousand percent. It's why small businesses are right. LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs lets you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL. LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL to post your job for free we are back here our second segment of locked on ravens on monday kevin ostriker still here with you thank you so much again for being here with us and, and spending your fourth of july holiday week monday with us today whether you're listening on your way to work or, or from work or if you're off from work if you're off you, you listen when you wake up you get a nice long sleep in there you get to sleep in it's gonna. It's an exciting little holiday week here, so thank you for spending some of it with me on today's show. But let's talk about the defensive line room for Baltimore now. It's a position I've identified throughout the offseason, even going back to before the whole Clays Campbell thing when he left. To me, it's a position that the Ravens have to really, I think, feel fine about right now. It's not a, not a weakness for him. I wouldn't say it's a huge strength at this point, but I will say it has the potential to be. The reason I say that is because it's going to rely a lot on people stepping up, particularly young players, including Justin Matabike, who's been my breakout pick for the last two years. I'm now changing that to Travis Jones, funny enough, but Roderick Washington is there as well, and obviously Jones himself. Michael Pierce and Brent Urban are in there as well. They have other players like uh, Rayshad Nichols, who could be an undrafted guy who was last year undrafted, who could make the roster this year. And they've had a couple of really solid guys come through that room. 
over the course of the last couple of seasons, kind of gems in the rough. Isaiah Mack, one who I know a lot, at least some Ravens fans were, were very keen on myself included. But so to me, those five, even though I've said it and I'll say it again, Clays Campbell is a big loss. It is, you know, I want to say, oh, well, you know, it's going to be easy to recover from losing him and the guy's just going to fill in. It's tough. It's tough to lose a guy like that who I think had such a profound impact for the Ravens, both on the field and in the locker room, obviously in the community as well. But they do have the guys to step up. I'm not saying it's going to be one for one. Well, Calais Campbell is going to get replaced by just Matabike and Matabike is going to be Luke Calais Campbell. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that it's going to be more of a collective group effort this year. Guys have to stay healthy in that room. Matabike is someone who, you know, we know, you know, his training with Aaron Donald. He's very hard to move off the line, has the pass rushing prowess. He is someone to me who I think is just, he's so important to the development of that room this year. Now, this year, we can talk about it and say, oh, Michael Pierce is coming back. That's awesome. He was so good for them in the very limited action. He only played a couple games for him, but he was good in that action. Also, Brent Urban, who I thought was a very, you know, solid, steady veteran presence for him throughout the year, made some plays. And then the three, the, tr- the trio, I'd say, of young guys in Matabike, Washington, and Jones. Now, you're fine for this year, right? But you move to next year, and that's where it gets a little bit interesting. Both Justin Matabike and Brodrick Washington are free agents. You also have Michael Pierce, who has come out and pretty much said he might retire at the end of this next contract. So the time is kind of ticking on Michael Pierce as well. Brent Urban, a free agent. The only guy really you feel comfortable about who's under contract is Travis Jones. So you could essentially have four new guys in that defensive line room if everything breaks where, you know, they don't bring Matabike or Washington back. Brent Urban goes. Michael Pierce might go. You know, they, they have a lot of question marks moving forward at that position. That's why I was a little bit shocked to see the Ravens not take a defensive lineman out. They had a lot of other needs in the 2023 draft. I'm not saying they didn't, but I was a little shocked to see them not take a defensive lineman because there's just so much uncertainty. Now they took Travis Jones in the third round and I still have no clue how they got him in the third round, but they got him. They got him in the third round. They took him there. Really solid pick. We've seen the flashes there. I'm confident in Travis Jones. He's going to be able to step into a role this year, but also in the future when there might be a little bit of overturn in that defensive line room. Now, I think that the Ravens will probably be able to keep one. If if, if everything goes the way I'm expecting, which is Matty Beake and Washington both play, play really well. They have really good years, show their stuff out there this year. I think they'll be able to keep one of those two, whether it's Matty Beake or Washington. If, if you want to bet who's going to get the bigger contract, I would say it's Matty Beake right now. But, you know, either one of those guys could. I think they're both really good players and they're both going to have really good years. If Michael Pierce comes back for another year, then that's awesome, especially if he plays really well. There have been some injury concerns with him, obviously, dating back to last year, but even before last year with him. And then Urban in particular, I mean, look, he's a solid veteran depth option, but now someone is going to go out there and be the best defensive lineman in the league. So the, the weird state that they're in right now is they're pretty good. They're pretty set for this year, but then a lot could change. There could be so much change for next year. You're kind of wondering, well, what's next for them? Jones is going to be a big part of that room. As I said, I think one of Matabike and or Washington is going to be one of another one of those pieces. But then do you do you bring in another veteran? Do you bring in two veterans? Do you draft someone in the 2024 draft? I would not be shocked, you know, kind of finishing that point from earlier. I would not be shocked 
if the Ravens were to go out and take one or even two defensive linemen in the 2024 draft and have one of those come pretty early in the process. So to me, I think that Baltimore has a lot of promise in that room. It, it'd be awesome. It'd be awesome if all three of those guys, the three young guys, Matabike, Jones, and Washington, play incredible football in 2023, and they're able to get them all back. Now, there's a lot of, you know, how are they going to move maneuver the cap? It, it even goes, like, beyond the defensive line vision when it comes to who they're going to be able to get because what what's the Odell situation? Are, are those void years going to count in dead money? Are they going to re-sign certain players? Is Patrick Queen going to go? Is J.K. Dobbins going to go? There are so many different options that, well, you could say, oh, it's it's a linebacker. It's a running back. What does it affect the defensive lineman for? Well, pay a running back. You might have to let a defensive lineman go. If you pay a linebacker, you might have to let a defensive lineman go. And it's the same thing vice versa, where if you pay Matty Bique in Washington, you're going to have to maybe let another player go. So you have to value your assets. And the fact that the Ravens have these guys right now, cost-controlled contracts, rookie deals, doesn't last forever. We saw it literally right in front of our eyes and during, you know, the Matthew Judon's and Darius Smith days when we knew the Ravens couldn't keep everybody. We thought it was pretty realistic that Darius Smith would walk, thought it was pretty, pretty realistic Matthew Judon would walk. Both of them walked because the Ravens just could not keep everybody. You cannot pay everybody. That's something Mike and I talked about from Lockdown Patriots on our NFL show that was put out today. So it's so it's so weird to think about, you know, oh, the Ravens have all these really promising guys and it's a really solid room. Then you look forward to 2024 and it's like, oh, well, only Travis Jones could be there for, for next year. But let's focus on this year. I think Baltimore has a really good room and I'm excited to see them all play, especially Matabike and especially Jones. And I love myself some Browser Washington. He's one of my feel-good stories. So I'm, I'm really happy for him. As well, coming up in the final part of the show, we're talking about midseason trade possibilities for the Ravens. Talk a lot of trade this week on Locked On Ravens, so we should have stayed tuned for that. Plenty to talk about here on the show. We're back here, our final segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Oshager still here with you on this fine Monday. Thank you again for being here with us on Monday, whether you're in every day or you listen every single day. Thank you so much for your support. If this is your first time into the show, you, you're enjoying it. I, I'm glad you're enjoying it. If you are. Be sure to subscribe, like the video, and follow along in audio form as well. And if you're somewhere in the middle, thank you for your support as well. Let's talk midseason trades, though. You could be saying, Kevin, Kevin, we're not even in the we're not even at the beginning of the season. What are you talking about midseason for? It's just, I want to talk about the concept, right? We'll talk a lot of trades this week on the show. So this is kind of the trade week I want to do, where we'll talk about you know obviously midseason trades here, but trade candidates. We'll talk about maybe an interesting player that could be traded. So there, there's a lot to get to on that front. But midseason trades, the Ravens have been a team that's been very active on the midseason trade market. And so when we're talking about this offseason, it all connects. I try, I try to find a way to connect everything. It all connects into one where when you talk about what the Ravens can do for the rest of the offseason, we're talking about, oh, well, the Ravens really need to add another corner. The Ravens really need to add another outside linebacker. Maybe they need that. Actually, offensive line, I think, you know, they added, you know, Sam Mustafer. They brought in a couple. So I don't think they're going to add an offensive lineman, but corner and outside linebacker, the two biggest needs people are saying, well, what about Justin Houston? What about Jadavian Clowney? What about Yannick Ngakwe? I think it's pretty likely Houston comes back, but in the event that maybe he doesn't, or the Ravens need more, the way that the midseason trade market works, it's a couple ways. One teams just realize that they're not on the same timeline as some of their players. A season isn't going the way that they need. They want to get other assets. You know, we talk about like the NBA trade, the trade deadline all the time. We're talking about 
maybe stars getting put on the market and, you know, it's super active on trade deadline day. The NFL trade deadline, I think it was kind of dead for a little bit, but it's gotten a lot better over the past couple of seasons. It's actually been very exciting over the last couple of seasons. Obviously the Ravens were at the forefront of it last year with the Roquan Smith deal, but the Ravens identified a need that maybe wasn't their biggest. I think we could probably argue wide receiver was a bigger one at the time, but they identified a need in a player that they thought could fit really well. And Roquan Smith was a star that, that was traded, but there's, I'd say there's less turnover in the NFL than there is in a, in a you know sport like the NBA when the rosters are so finite and so so much smaller compared to NFL where the NBA it's 15 guys, 15 active spots and the NFL is 53. So there are more ways to fully tear down or fully rebuild an NBA roster than there is an NFL roster. But that's not saying movement doesn't happen. Baltimore's traded for Roquan Smith. They've traded for Marcus Peters. That wasn't at the deadline. It was close to it, but not exactly. You know, he can go back far. You can talk about Ty Montgomery, for example. The Ravens have made those trades and been active on the midseason trade market. Nerit Acosta, I think that's one of his best qualities as general manager, is finding needs and then adjusting where it's not like, oh, well, we really need a corner, but, you know, I'm just going to sit on my hands and knees and not do anything because it's, you know, th there's not a deal that we like. Eric Acosta works the phones and he says to himself, well, look, we really need this. The, the example I go to is what happened with Tim Williams and LJ Fort and Josh Bynes back in 2019 when they had struggled, the defense was terrible. If you remember weeks three and four that year, I tell the story all the time, weeks three and four that year, the Ravens defense gave up 500 yards in both games, not total, not 500 yards total, 500 yards in each game over a thousand total yards in two games to the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cleveland Browns. Eric DaCosta understood something had to change, that it could not be that way, that it dropped the record from 2-0 to 2-2 that year. And what happened? They ended up going out and signing LJ Fort. They signed Josh Bynes because what happened that year? Kenny Young and Patrick Owasso were not, they weren't the duo that they were expected to be. In that, they cut Tim Williams, who just had not panned out for them and never panned out in the NFL. And then a couple weeks later, they add Marcus Peters to bolster the defense. They literally never lost a game the rest of the regular season. They never lost a game. They went 12 and 2 or the 12 and 0 after going 2 and 2. So that is where I think Eric DeCosta thrives. And it's interesting because the way it happens is the contending teams, like, you know, for example, the Ravens were trying to contend last year. They, they make the move for Roquan Smith. Contending teams, it's not like they have to give up players in this deal. So usually, you know, going back to the NBA for a second, it's, well, you know, a contending team has to give up a couple of pieces here. Or maybe like, you know, maybe guys at the end of the bench or guys that aren't necessarily like fringe rotation guys. And the NFL is like, we'll give you draft picks. Like the Roquan Smith deal, AJ Klein was the player in that deal. You, you don't really see a, a rotation player get traded out in the NFL deal for the most part when it comes to contenders. So what you can do if you're a contender in the NFL is make a deal and then not have to give up anything in terms of assets in the present, like future assets, you know, first round picks, second round picks. It depends. And if the Ravens do make a deal, I would not expect the first round pick to be in it. Look, if I had to give a dream, like a dream midseason trade target, Jair, Jair Alexander is someone I've talked about for a while on this show. Lamar's teammate at Louisville back, back in the day. It wasn't really that long ago, but back in the day. Jair Alexander to me, if you want to put put a lot more trust in that corner room, have a have a much better, I'd say, overall option. You have two top five guys in Marlon Humphrey and Jair Alexander. Rakia Sin is your third guy, and then young guys. The thing is that 
it probably cost at least one first round pick to make that deal happen, depending. But what I will say is midseason trades in the NFL are really weird where I just don't think the price is as high, possibly because guys, they're halfway through another year on their contract. So it's less value for a team if they want to keep that guy long term. But I would expect the Ravens to try to make a deal during the during the midseason, right at the deadline, maybe a couple weeks before. And another aspect of it is not just, oh, well, there's a need that wasn't addressed and it really has become a big one. Another thing is injuries. I mean, if the Ravens feel like they've suffered a couple injuries at a certain position and they feel like their death's pretty depleted there, maybe a guy's out for the whole season, maybe a guy's coming back in a couple months, what the Ravens could do is make that a priority for them. But it, it's interesting because there are two ways you can then make a deal. It's you can make a deal for somebody who was an immediate impact player that year and then provides no value for you for the future or you could find somebody who is an immediate value player then and for the future i think that you know both scenarios when you talk about then and in the future is going to cost more capital for you so if you feel confident enough in let's say your wide receiver room and you you know maybe odell has to miss a couple games and he's out for a month or you know, Zay Flowers or Devin DuVernay, knock on wood, hope it does not happen, by the way. But if, I'm saying, if it does happen, do you want to invest major draft capital in a wide receiver at that point? Or do you want to bring in somebody to maybe say, oh, well, you know, Eric Acosta says to himself, we're still contenders, but we just need someone else at this point. So that to me was what, like, you know, a, a Ty Montgomery, for example, that deal was super small. I think the Ravens gave, gave up, what, like a seventh rounder, a conditional seventh rounder or something like that. It was not a big deal whatsoever. But that year, who they have? 2018, it was Kenneth Dixon, and that was Gus Edwards, his rookie year. And they, they might have had – who am I forgetting? Was Alex Collins on that team? Maybe it was him, maybe it was him. I'm forgetting right now. But regardless, Ty Montgomery, was, they didn't even really use him either. Like, it was such a weird act because they, they used him on kick returns, sometimes out of the backfield, but they didn't really use him. So some deals just like, look, we need some guy just in case, you know, break glass in case of emergency. Eric Acosta, I think, has been a lot more active in that regard than Isaac Newsom. I don't think either approach is necessarily totally wrong, but if I were to prefer one, it would be, well, if you have a need there and you really feel like something's wrong, Go out there and fix it. You know, if, if even if it is somebody you got to bring in and get up to speed and figure out, oh, well, we need you here. We need you there. We need, we need to get this guy completely in tune with what we're doing on offense, defense, wherever. I, you know, I prefer someone to go out there and, and get the guy to make a team with Lamar Jackson. You want to maximize the contending window around Lamar Jackson. If you don't, I think that's failing Lamar Jackson, failing the fan base, and failing everybody who watches this team. So I think Eric DaCosta has a very – he has a good pulse on the roster, on the way the players are feeling, the coaches are feeling. I think he's done a great job this offseason. And, again, I'm you know talking midseason when we're not even at training camp yet. But it's just very interesting considering how these next couple of months could go, next couple of weeks could go, and how so much can change. And we, we talked about in the first segment, do the Ravens have the best roster in the AFC? That's now. The roster is an ever-changing, ever-fluctuating thing. And, yes, Baltimore's roster is up there as one of the best in this conference right now. But do we say that in a couple months when maybe injuries happen? Do we say that in, in a few weeks even when maybe the Ravens make a signing or a trade? There's so much still to figure out. But to me, I'm excited about the potential of this roster overall. And if a trade happens midseason, then awesome. Like It'd be really cool to have another player come in here because the Ravens, they're not rebuilding right? They're not a team that's rebuilding right now. They're not looking for draft picks. They're not looking for young guys. 
They're looking for players that can help them win now. Now, some of those guys can be young. I'm not saying, you know, they have to have all 30-year-olds on the roster or something. But they're not in the business of saying, oh, well, we'll trade you Roquan Smith for a second and fifth round pick. They're giving up the draft picks. And so I was honestly, I don't know if impressed is the right word. I was very pleased. I would say that the Ravens were willing to part with that second rounder for Roquan Smith. I didn't think they would do it. I thought it would be more of a, oh, well, maybe Brandon Cooks for like a third or a fifth rounder. But they they made the, the big splash deal in Roquan. I'm very glad they did. And we'll see how they maybe approach this midseason deadline. We'll see how they approach the rest of the offseason, to be honest, that they bring in an outside linebacker or somebody else. But Baltimore, I think, is well positioned this year. And it's not just, you know, you can't stop just because it's July. I mean, you, you got to go, you know, from a roster building perspective. It's a year-round thing. So I'm really excited to see how Eric DaCosta and company end up shaping this roster and molding it into, I guess, I guess its final form. Yeah, but that's all I have you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm going to get back here tomorrow. More Ravens content for you on the 4th of July. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.